So um, kind of a cool thing happened this morning. Ronnie brought his walking stick this morning to give it away. That's amazing. How are you able to give your walking stick, or, or at least offer your walking stick? Well, praise God for that. That's awesome news. That's felt compelled to point that out. When something amazing happens, I think we ought to take notice. So uh, I'm going to lower this just a smidgen. So a few years ago for my birthday, uh, I was given two tickets to a minor league hockey game, the Manchester Monarchs in Manchester, New Hampshire, um, for Glenna and me. Uh, these tickets were on the eighth row, right in the middle of the rink. So it's the equivalent, if it was a football game, it would have been on the 50-yard line. Great tickets. Um, so during the first intermission, you know how a lot of ball games, they throw T-shirts into the stands? Well, they threw T-shirts into the stands, and the, the t one of the T-shirts hit the hands of a guy on the sixth row. I'm in the eighth row. It bounced off his hands. You know, sort of like in football when the ball bounces off the wide receiver's hands and the defensive back catches it. I was the defensive back who intercepted the T-shirt. So, you know, that was really fun. I had been to all these events and I'd never caught a T-shirt before. Um, but I was sitting there looking at this T-shirt and realizing this T-shirt is two sizes too small for me. And... Um, there was a little girl sitting by Glenna, and we had actually, before the game, we had been talking to this little girl's family, and they were really nice and everything. And so I asked Glenna, would you give this T-shirt to that little girl, which is pretty fun in and of itself. You know, it's more blessed to give than to receive. It's pretty fun to give away things. So I was pretty, I was not only got the fun of catching the T-shirt, but also got the fun of giving it away. So that was all good. Well, a little while later, during the game, it happened. There was some action in the rink right, right in front of us, and the puck flew over the plexiglass protection for the stands, and it hit the seventh row right in front of me, and it landed in the aisle. While everybody else is just sitting there, I don't understand why, I scrambled into the aisle as quickly as I could, and I grabbed the puck. <laughs> I've been to so many baseball games down through the years hoping to catch a foul ball. Never happened but I caught a foul puck, so that was, that was pretty cool. Well, pretty soon, uh, one of the ushers comes walking up, and I'm like, oh, no, I hope she doesn't take this puck away. But she asks, is everybody okay? And Glenna explained that, it, it, well, the puck didn't hit anybody. It hit the seat and then fell into the aisle. And so I asked her the question that every little kid has asked their parents at some point in life, I think. Can I keep it? <laughs> it followed me home. Can I keep it? And the usher said, yeah, yeah, you can keep it. So that, this is like the most amazing game that I'd ever been to. I caught a T-shirt, and then I caught a pug. And I was so excited. Well, <laughs> but then a couple rows down and a few seats over, there is this guy who bellows very loudly, give it to the kid. 
He was kind of a loud mouth, and I might add, perhaps just a teensy bit tipsy. I said, I gave the T-shirt away, I'm keeping the puck, which I, I thought I had a right to do. Well, he waits about 30 seconds, and then the loudmouth bellows the same thing, as if 30 seconds later he had forgotten what he just said. <laughs> Give it to the kid, I said. I gave away the T-shirt, I'm keeping the puck. And I thought, later thought several things about this, how, first of all, I don't let make my life decisions based on what drunken loudmouths think I should do. <laughs> I also, at some point, thought how much fun it would have been to punch this drunken loudmouth right in the <laughs> snout. I, I, I'm not proud of those thoughts, that it was not my finest moment, moment but uh, I think you perhaps might understand how <laughs> might think that. And I later thought about the, this conversation I could have had with the guy. You know, you're worried, so, you're worried so much about giving something to the kid. I actually did give something away. I gave away a T-shirt. What have you given away? You know, there's a gift shop in this building. They got lots of pucks for sale, probably. You could buy one and give it to the kid if you're so concerned about the kid. But he didn't say anything else, so that conversation didn't happen. But one thing I realized about these events, how easy it is to be generous with somebody else's property and money. It doesn't require any generosity at all to give away somebody else's stuff. It's really kind of bogus generosity uh, to be generous with somebody else's property. You know, it's so easy for us to say, and people do this all the time, well, the rich people ought to do this or that. Uh, what my rich uncle ought to do or what my rich neighbor should do. Or the big, the big corporations ought to do this. Or how about this one? If I won the lottery, I would... Doesn't require a lot of commitment. Doesn't require any sacrifice to say what you would do if you won the lottery. In his book, Blue Like Jazz, by the way, I recommend this book for everybody. Donald Miller's Blue Like Jazz. I, uh, I wish I could get everybody to read this. Miller wrote... I realized that it did me no good to protest America's responsibility in global poverty when I wasn't even giving money to my church, which has a terrific homeless ministry. Ouch. In 2 Samuel 24, a plague has hit the people of Israel because of King David's pride and arrogance. He conducted a census which in this context meant that he was relying on human strength and wasn't trusting in God to lead and provide for the people. And as a part of making things right, King David determines to buy a threshing floor and build an altar to the Lord there. The owner, however, offers to give the property to King David for free. After all, he's the king. And here was the king's reply. David said, no, I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. Now that's one of the more well-known verses in the Old Testament. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God offerings that cost me nothing. King David recognized correctly that there ought to be an element of sacrifice in our service to the Lord. Do you think God is worth sacrificing for? I think God is worth sacrificing for. God is absolutely worthy. Our offerings to him should cost something. One of the great paradoxes of the Bible is that salvation is free. 
something that children of God receive as an absolutely free gift. You can't earn it, merit it, deserve it, or pay for it. However, those who follow Jesus must sacrifice everything. All that we have and all that we are must be placed on the altar before God. You remember what the apostle wrote. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. These are the opening words of Romans chapter 12. A God who has been infinitely generous toward us, not withholding even his own son, is worthy of our very best, isn't he? Donald Miller, who uh, I mentioned earlier in his book, Blue Like Jazz, writes about Christmas shopping when he was just a boy. He, was, he had been given enough money to buy everybody presents, but he spent most of his money on his new hobby. He bought fishing gear. On Christmas Eve, he was trying to sleep, and it hit him how selfish he was. He had spent most of the money on himself, and with a little bit of what was left over, he bought a book for his mother on a subject which was of no interest to her. Uh, let's let Miller tell the story in his words. For my mother that year, I had purchased a shabby Christmas gift, a book, the contents of which she would never be interested in. I had had a sum of money with which to buy presents, and the majority of it I used to buy fishing equipment as my friend Roy and I had recently started fishing in the creek behind Walmart. My extended family opens gifts on Christmas Eve, leaving the immediate family to open gifts the next morning. So in my room that night were wonderful presents, toys and games and candy and clothes, and as I lay in bed, I counted and categorized them in the moonlight. The battery-operated toys of greatest importance, the underwear of no consequence at all. You may remember those days. So in the moonlight, I drifted in and out of anxious sleep, and this is when it occurred to me that the gift I had purchased for my mother was bought with the petty change left after I had pleased myself. I realized I had set the, ha the happiness of my mother behind my own material desires. This was a different sort of guilt from anything I had previously experienced. It was a heavy guilt, a heavy feeling, the sort of sensation you get when you wonder whether you are two people, the other of which does things you can't explain, bad and terrible things. The guilt was so heavy that I fell out of bed onto my knees and begged, not a slot machine God, but a living, feeling God to stop the pain. I crawled out of my room and into the hallway by my mother's door and lay on my elbows and face for an hour or so, going sometimes into sleep before finally the burden lifted and I was able to return to my room. We opened the rest of our gifts the next morning and I was pleased to receive what I did, but when my mother opened her silly book, I asked her forgiveness, saying how much I wished I had done more. She, of course, pretended to enjoy the gift, saying how she wanted to know about that subject. Sounds like a mother, doesn't it? I was still feeling terrible that evening when the family gathered for dinner around a table so full of food a kingdom could feast there. I sat low in my chair, eye level with bowls of potatoes and corn, having my hair straightened by ten talking women, all happy the holiday had come to a close. And while they ate and talked and chatted away another Christmas, 
I felt ashamed and wondered silently whether they knew they were eating with Hitler. Pretty heavy feelings, aren't they? David said, I will not sacrifice to my Lord offerings which cost me nothing. And to clarify, uh, when I reference this scripture, I'm not speaking primarily about what we put in the collection plate, although that would be included. That's just a drop in the bucket, for, forgive the pun. That's just a drop in the bucket of what we need to give to God, isn't it? I love the closing lines of Isaac Watts' amazing song, When I Survey the Wonders Cross. The song ends with these lines, Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. When we consider how wonderful God is, what a wonderful father he is, how generous he has been to us, giving us everything we have, giving even his own son, could any sacrifice be too great? He couldn't ask anything of us that would be too much. So I want to think for a few moments about the type of response God wants from us. First of all, he wants a heartfelt response. God is a personal God, not just an impersonal force, and not a, not a vending machine God where we put a faith coin in the slot and we get out what we ask for. God is a personal God, and he wants obedience from the heart, a heart-to-heart -heart connection with us. Not just keeping a few rules and participating in some religious rituals, singing some songs, drinking some grape juice, hearing a spiritual talk, not just punching in our spiritual time clocks. God wants a day-by-day, -day, warm, personal, real relationship, a heart-to-heart -heart connection. He honors us by wanting that with us. So first, God wants a heartfelt response. Part of that heartfelt response means that we say no to sin. The Bible talks about this in very clear terms. God's grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and sinful desires. Because of our relationship with God, we try to stay pure, unstained by sin and unspotted from the world. Though we can never do this perfectly or even close, it needs to be real. We need to make a, a, a genuine attempt to say no to evil. God says, be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. That's part of what he wants from us. And finally, part of that heartfelt response is that we say yes to service. We say no to ungodliness. We say yes to service. That means a lot of things. Loving the outcast, listening to the lonely, comforting, comforting the bereaved, feeding the hungry, Serving whomever God puts in your path to serve. Doing whatever work that God puts in your path that you know that he wants you to do. We invest our lives in serving God and people. Our time belongs to God. Our talents belong to God. Our treasure belongs to God. When you're God's man, you're God's woman, you're God's young person, that is true. Our lives are his. The Bible teaches even our bodies are his. We are twice his because first he made us. And then he bought us with his blood. So it's only right. God has the right to demand anything from us at any time. 
When we became Christians, we signed a blank contract and we let God fill in all the words. Abraham even put Isaac on the altar. If you have been by faith baptized into Christ, when you went under the water, you died. You died to self. You died to sin. You rose from that watery grave, a new person with a new life, devoted to service to God. Bible says if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Everything is new. The old has gone away. Can I close by repeating once again the, the words of Isaac Watts? Love, so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. And so I, I would ask you to consider what is it that God wants you to sacrifice for him this week. Ask him. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, our God, you are such a wonderful father. You are king of our hearts and Lord of our lives. We thank you for your self-sacrificial love for us, that you are so kind and generous and merciful. Lord, we pray that you would so work in our hearts and lives that we would recognize your goodness. We would recognize your sacrifice. Lord, that we would be willing to give of ourselves and sacrifice of ourselves to you. For you are indeed worthy. You are perfectly deserving. Father, we love you. And we pray that our lives would reflect that love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Maybe you're at a point in your life where you're ready to surrender control of your life to God. You want to become a follower of his. Or maybe you've done that, but you have, there's, you have some need on your heart today that you need to share with God's family. Uh, let's, uh, let's stand and encourage one another. Uh, please come forward if you have a need.